Hi, this is Catherine Gordon for Mainly Matters, and this is the Outdoor Life Channel. If you're interested in the great Maine outdoors and all the wonderful activities that go on here, then this is the channel for you. In the weeks to come, we'll be interviewing people from around the state about what makes our outdoor resources so special. This is the first interview in the podcast series, and I and I am very nervous, and there's been some some mix-ups already, uh, but, but I so appreciate uh, you listening and being the host of this channel. When they first asked me to be the host here, they sent me a big box of equipment, and I panicked a little bit. <laughs> I'm not very technical, uh, but we, we got it all put together, and um, I sat down first, and I made a list of all the wonderful guests that I wanted to have on this program, and at the top of the list was one of my favorite people. People, a, a true legend here in Maine, and, and I just am so appreciative of his friendship. And uh, I'm going to introduce to you now a true broadcasting icon, 47 years in the business, well known for his show, Bill Green's Maine. Welcome, Bill, and thank you so much for everything and for being here. Oh, I thought you were going to say George Hale. <laughs> Absolutely not. You, <laughs> 100% you. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Thank you so Good. much for being here. And I know that you are, are now retired, but you are doing all kinds of wonderful new things, including being the executive director for the Maine Sports Hall of Fame. You're an ambassador for the Freedom Boat Club. You're writing columns for Maine magazines. And truthfully, I'm so honored to have you here as a first guest. It's my pleasure to be with you, my somewhat old friend now. We've known each other a little while now. We certainly have, and we've had some good times for sure. Yes, indeed. Uh, well, let's let's talk about uh, a little bit of controversy uh, right off here, right off the bat. But I really would like to ask you. Controversy. Uh, I know. Isn't that great? Start off with something controversial. But I, I would love to ask you about um, your endorsement of Susan Collins. Do you want to talk about that for a minute? Absolutely. I... Um, well, I mean, I've known Susan a long time as well. Uh, she was a good friend of my sister's. She ran for governor and lost in 1994. And her thanks for playing gift was to become uh, director of the Center for Family Business at Husson University. And my sister ran student activities there, I believe, or at least worked with the president, for the president. And as Julie says, I know how to do stuff. And so when Susan ran an event, my sister Julie was often you know, helping her coordinate that. Actually, I think they were under Julie's auspices at the time. And so I became friends with Susan way back, you know, between 94 and 96, before she ran for the Senate. And my wife had known her before that uh, through banking. Uh, when Susan worked for Bill Cohen, my wife worked for the Maine Association of Community Banks, and she would invite speakers, and they would invite Cohen and they would send Susan Collins, who then was not anybody anybody ever heard of. And when she first ran for governor, Pam said, she's so nice. I mean, she's always prepared. And, you know, she's Susan Collins. She's what she is today. And um, so to make a long story short, we became friends down through the years. And after I retired from Channel 6, because I don't think a journalist can endorse a candidate, um, I said to Susan, <laughs> you know, hey, if you need an endorsement, I'd be happy to help you out. Because the negativity had already begun. The negative campaigning had already begun, and they were attacking her character. And you know her. I do. Uh, and she's a wonderful person. It's she's the nicest one of the person. Nice, and and if, if, you, if you can't vote for her because you don't like her Kavanaugh vote, or you can't vote for her because you didn't like the Trump tax cut, okay, I can live with that. But the attacks were funded by out-of-state money, by people who don't live here. And, and I welcome out-of-staters moving to Maine. If you want to come to Maine and live this high quality of life that we live here and invest your life in our state, I welcome you, you know, and and we that's all that, that's very important. But this was just out-of-staters trying to buy a vote 
to give to Chuck Schumer and that crowd. And for me, I'm I'm kind of a centrist. I'm a moderate. I don't see much difference between Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell. They're, you know, uh, I just, you know, I'm not a big fan of what's going on nationally. I wish we could get together and, and work and compromise and try to do what's best for the majority of people. So anyway, I, I offered that endorsement to Susan and uh, she needed, she needed the endorsement. And she did. And, and Bill, uh, she was right on the edge. And I feel that your support of her helped push her into that office. You really, um, I, I feel gave her that win. I think a lot of people here in Maine feel that you helped her with that win. I, maybe, but I think that, you know, when you consider her record, you consider that a lot of us have had contact, whether she is approachable, her constituency services are the best around, uh, and she does like dogs. I wonder if, <laughs> have, you, you know, in the Georgia campaigns that came up, there was a dog ad down there. <laughs> there was, there was. So, you know, maybe we struck on something with Pepper, her dog, but she does love her dog. So uh, it just it just came together for her. And, and I am glad that it did. I think she has represented as well. And I think she continues to do so. Absolutely. And you did a wonderful job for her. And and just for my own little uh, output here, uh, I do volunteer and work for nonprofits. So I have to say that I am non-political and that I do guide Democrats sure. and Republicans equally. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> so just, who shows up with money. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but thank you very much for, for you know talking about that a little bit, Bill. Um, and I also want to ask... And Catherine, can I also say that that's one place that it doesn't matter what party you're in. Right. We all love the outdoors. And exactly. in terms of conservation matters and things like that, uh, we often see the left coming around and meeting the right side around the other side. You know what I mean? Exactly. So we're, you know, we're all together in the outdoors. So I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bill. Uh, and I actually, you're, you're now the executive director for Maine Sports Hall of Fame. Um, tell me a little bit about that. Well, we honor, you know, the, the best athletes in Maine. And, um, we, you know, we have an annual induction ceremony. And uh, we are this year inducting a fly fisherman for the first Yay. time. Yes. And um, we are, uh, we do some other things. I do a podcast on my own called uh, Maine Sports Hall of Fame, Legends with Bill Green. We do student webinars for uh, high school kids. We try to bring some of the talent that's been inducted in our Hall of Fame uh, into webinar sessions to talk about uh, such matters as uh, Black Lives Matter, you know, and in sports and, uh, you know, women becoming coaches in sports and uh, jobs in sports media and jobs in sports marketing. So we've been doing some webinars and uh, I do the podcast and there's something else I do that I can't think of what it is, but uh, we're, uh, we're trying fantastic. to, we're trying to broaden our offerings. That's wonderful. And and you're also the ambassador for the Freedom Boat Club, which I, I know nothing fun. about. Yeah. Tell it's us about like that. a country club for boaters. Life, so nice. you, you pay an initiation fee and then you pay a monthly fee. And you always have access to boats. You just log on the internet, you know, get a boat ready. And, uh, you know, there's some uh, good-looking college kid, male or female, that, you know, has the boat all clean and shiny and filled with gas. And, you know, you, uh, when you get done, you step off the boat. I tip them 10 bucks. And I don't have to tow the boat. I don't have to Perfect. load the boat. I don't have to insure <laughs> the boat, you know. And yeah, the, the boats great. are just there. And there are something like 200 clubs around the country. So if I'm in Florida and I need a boat, I just call a local uh, club and they're, and they're free there as well. Wonderful. Yeah. And and I, I'm going to just have a couple more questions about what, what's going on with you because you have like so much that you're doing now. Uh, my favorite place in, in Maine is actually Baxter State Park. And I Ooh. understand you're, you do some stuff with them as well? Yeah, mostly fundraising. I'm on a group called Friends of Baxter State Park. 
And, you know, what we try to do is help out the park. And uh, Governor Baxter did a wonderful job leaving an endowment for the park and creating the Baxter Park Authority. And I'm going to get wrong who's on it, but it's the Attorney General, the Commissioner of Inland Fisheries and Wildlife. And it was originally Commissioner of Forestry. And I don't know if that's changed to conservation or not. But try getting something done without those three people on your side in Maine. And so the authority is a very important part of the park. But that million dollars that Governor Baxter left is now something like $70 million. But I love when you drive up to Baxter State Park to say, oh, I see your license plate. You're from Maine. Are you from Maine? And, and you say, yeah. And they say, well, you, your visit is free today. It's a gift from Governor Baxter. Yeah, that and that always touches my heart when I do that. And, and so our group tries to support the director, uh, Evan Sipikowski is his name. A uh, good Bangor boy and a uh, Bates College graduate and uh, the wonderful work that they're doing up there. I, I do think that Baxter's great and I think it's becoming increasingly more important. Oh, that's wonderful. Wonderful. And um, you have won awards for your writing, I know, and now you're writing <laughs> for the main magazine. Uh, what's yep. your next article and when is that going to come out? Oh, it's uh, yo, you what's know me, about? Catherine. I'm always, you know, I'm trying to do fun things. I, in fact, <laughs> since that's I what we're supposed talk, to do in our retirement, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, um, it's on daylight savings time, and I would like to have more light in the evening. And yes. I don't want to get into the long story of how the railroad standardized time in the 1880s, but I think we lost out because we were so far east. And this idea came to me. I was in Paris on the Champs Elysees, having you know a, a, a drink and a dinner with my wife, and you know the sun is going down; it's getting kind of purpley in the sky. And I look at my watch; it's it's like ten thirty, quarter of eleven. I, oh my goodness! You know they're they're west in the time zone; they get the extra time. And so, you know, I would love to have an extra hour just to sit on my deck or oh, do yes. an extra hour to fish in the evening. Absolutely. And you know what it's like to get up and go turkey hunting. Like I get up at three o'clock to go turkey hunting. Yeah. Because <laughs> I have to drive two or three towns to get there. And, you know, fishing in, in June, you know, if you, you know, like I mostly just striper fish now. And, you know, but still, I like to be out at, you know, first light if I can be out there. And, you know, five o'clock, 4.30, come on. Yeah, you know? sign me so up. Where, move, where do we vote for this? <laughs> but when you think of it as a guide, which you are, and I am, but I don't guide. But if you're doing half days, so what if it didn't get light till six? Wouldn't Absolutely. that be nice? You could oh. do six till noon and then one to seven thirty or something. Yeah. You could do half days better. It would help your job, I it think. It absolutely and would. The restaurant association would be for it. I've talked to them in the past and uh innkeepers and um uh, I've talked to a few groups like that and, and chambers and things. They they think it's a great idea in Maine in the summer. The problem becomes kids in the winter. You don't want them getting on the buses in the dark. So I would actually vote to go two hours ahead for all of New England to move two hours ahead in the summer. But um you know, it's a political thing. It won't happen, but uh, that's what my article is about. Wouldn't it be nice to have an extra hour of light in the evening? Absolutely. And, and speaking of political things, I think going in the legislature, if not now, pretty soon is Sunday hunting. And I, I, I know you're a hunter. You duck hunt, you turkey hunt. Um, yep. Yep. What do you think about, about Sunday? Duck hunting. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm for, um, see, when I think of hunting, I think of deer hunting. Yes. And so I'm for, I'm for Sunday hunting in organized territories. And I think that move would, would drive some hunters upstate into the sporting camps and, and, and generate some revenue up north. And, and it would give people a reason to come here from out of state for the weekend, um, you know, to have two days time. Because now, if you let's say you're a teacher and you work until three o'clock on Friday and you jump in your car and you drive to your hunting spot, it's dark at 430. So, you, you know, there's, there's no reason to go and have the sporting camp experience. Right. And so, you know, because you'll, you'd get up, Saturday and have dinner, Friday night, a drink or two and get to bed at 10. Then you got to get up at five or something to get out there at 
you know, maybe depending on what time of the month you're going, that's 6.30. And, you know, and then the day ends at 4.30. And, you know, there's nothing to do on Sunday. New Hampshire has Sunday hunting. So they draw the out-of-state sports, unlike we do. Right. But um, down where I live, Cumberland is two towns north of Portland. There's no place to hunt here anyway. Nobody hunts in Cumberland. Um, uh, you know, it, it's you know it's different here. But um, the Small Woodlot Owners Association has a new name, SWOM. And, and those are the, the landowners who let us hunt their land, and, and they're against it. Um, so I don't think we'll ever go anywhere in the legislature. How serious is this year's effort in the legislature, Catherine? You seem to be up on that more than me. Well, I, I've been watching. Uh, there's a, a main guide page on Facebook, and I've been watching that. And, and some of the legislatures have jumped in and asked us our opinions. And even the guides are all over the place on the issue. So I, I yeah. you know me, I'm so non-political, but I do keep you know my ear to the to the wall, so to speak, to to see what's going on. So um, I'll I'll keep people informed as it goes along. See how it's going. Mm-hmm. That's where I am right now, though. I'd, I'd go for Sunday hunting and unorganized territory. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Absolutely. Uh, and for me, and for me, the, the only reason that I really would be for Sunday hunting is when you look at the population of hunters, um, the people that are hunting are really your uh, uh, blue collar, I guess. You know, the rough and tumble people like myself yeah. that are out there. Yeah. And, and we work hard jobs, you know. Um, and so when you are a construction worker or any of these other jobs that work five, six days a week that – not having that Sunday to hunt, you don't get to hunt. And yeah. where I grew up in, in northern Maine, um, a lot of families really depended on that meat to feed their families. So for me, when people say uh, no Sunday hunting, I think that comes from a background of privilege where those of us who grew up in northern Maine and in some of the impoverished areas in Maine um, really depend on that. And those are the people that um, would benefit most, I think, from Sunday hunting. And I, Interesting I'm not, thought. Yeah. And I'm not really that eloquent on on how to say that well. No, I thought um, you just said it oh, really well, well. Well, thank you. But I really feel for those those families and those people because that's where I grew up and that's what I experienced. So um, I, I'm really watching that pretty pretty carefully. I say I'm non-political and I throw my view right out there. Yeah, but, well, you know, we're just checking. Yeah, we're just yeah. Checking. But, but that, so I am watching that 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 pretty carefully. Um, uh, another little thing I, I'm pretty interested in is kind of the old flag versus the new flag for the state of Maine. <laughs> what do you think about that? You know, that, I was on that early. I did I, I did a story with a vexologist probably 20 years ago, and he was into the pine tree and Polaris, which is the flag that they're promoting. And I've been for it for a long time. The uh, blue flag with the state seal on it was adopted by our Civil War units as they went off. They needed a flag. And um, like 23 other states, you notice a lot of blue flags with those seals. Right. Uh, we, we adopted a, 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 a Yankee blue uh, with a state seal on it uh, as a flag during the Civil War. And then I think when that was adopted as a state flag in like 1901 or 1909, rather than do the old flag, they did the flag that they had carried to war or that their father had carried to war. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Of, you know, there's a lot of honor in that flag. But when you go someplace, like I think of Mount Rushmore, there's 50 flags lined up. You couldn't even find the main flag because there's 23 of them that look alike. Right. A, a few other states have gotten away from that blue flag now. But, you know, I, I like the pine tree of Polaris, and I've had that sticker on my car for about six years. I just think it's different. And I want to say to your listeners that the original color was buff, like burlap. <laughs> it was it was a darker color. So I, I, I like the, the buff, the the almost tanny brown of burlap better than the yellow that I see on some of the flags. Yeah, but, I think that's beautiful. 
take what we can get. Absolutely. And and um, being a teacher, this is the last little thing I'll, I'll talk about because we've, we've done very well with our time here, Bill. But um, okay. I, as a teacher, um, I always look for lifelong um, activities that people um, could be part of, uh, lifelong skills, lifelong um, hobbies and uh, sports. And I know you, you kind of um, talk about meaningful phys ed. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I do believe in uh, you know, meaningful physical education. And, and I was a stick and ball guy, you know, I played football and baseball in high school and, um, you know, I loved it. And I, but I didn't have much access to the outdoors. My family had a camp at Jacob Buck Pond where we trash fished for yellow perch and I hunted with a 32 special and I didn't shoot a deer until I was an adult, fortunately. Um, you know, but we, you know, we're just hackers out there. And, um, I just, think it would be nice for kids to have access you know to the woods and waters of maine and you know look at what we have the, the big time opportunity in maine sports at least to me is outdoors and you know we joke there were a bunch of five nine guys playing basketball we can't even touch the rim you know but we've got the ocean you know the great white water sailing that they do out there we've got the allagash wilderness waterway we got the saint john we got the penobscot we got the east branch we got the west branch you know, we've got so much. We've got the Appalachian Trail. We've got the uh, uh, Maine Hudson Trail. We have, you know, we have the Bold Coast. We have so many world-class adventures awaiting us right outside our door. And, and we get to phys ed and we play kickball, you know, and, <laughs> know. and we should, and we shouldn't. And, you know, the other side that I'd like to add to that would be a nutrition kind of program where, you know, like, first of all, let me finish my thought on the outdoors. You learn to read a map. You learn to hike a trail and read what the blazes are. You you read the, you learn to paddle a canoe. You get a couple of trips a year, maybe short trips led by Catherine Gordon. You know, <laughs> sign and, me and up. Just, I'd teach that for sure. <laughs> you just get a you just get a taste of it because you know it's it's all available to us. And the other thing that I wish that we had was a like a nutrition program. That phys ed is, you know, part of your nutrition program. And we, we hear that a lot of kids are hungry, and that's unfortunate. We try to feed them at school. But a lot of kids are fat. And and that's because they don't have a, a meaningful personal exercise program. You know, they don't understand it. And, you know, get families to buy in and 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 give each kid a program, you know, and, and education that, that helps them make decisions when they're younger, you know, about how they look. And, Absolutely. You know. I, I just think that a lot more could be done and, and that, you know, I won't even get into phys ed and shop. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Home I, ec and shop. You know, I was the first girl to take uh, industrial arts or uh, at Cunningham middle school, seventh grade. I, I went to home ec and I said, one day I'm like, can I do that instead? And yep. I walked in and they, I was the first girl. They let me do it. <laughs> so it just takes Isn't one person great? to stand up and do that. Yeah, that was, it was the best thing. I learned how to do all kinds of great things. But I think every boy and every girl should take home ec and shop. You know, every boy should learn to cook an egg and every girl should learn to, you know, make a, make a pump lamp like we made. You know, I, Mr. I loved Burrow's it. I absolutely loved class. it. Yeah, yeah it, it was yeah. the best. Is, is there anything yeah. else you'd like to add before uh, we sign off here, Bill? No, I can't think of a darn thing other than let's get together on one of those freedom boats this yes, summer. Yes, I would absolutely love that. you bring a couple of your, of your sports. Absolutely. Down, some of those veterans that oh, you're doing that great work with. Thank you. And I'll just give a little shout out to uh, Project Killing Waters Fly Fishing and to the Travis Mills Foundation. And if you are a veteran, uh, check into both of those. It's We do wonderful things with both of those programs. Thank you for, for mentioning that, Bill. And yeah, and thank you so much. Let's get on the bay. Absolutely. My pleasure. <laughs> thank great you. Great to talk to you. You, you too. You're the best. Thank you so much. And Be well. Good luck with this podcast. Thank you, Bill. And, and listeners, if you enjoyed this and want to know about upcoming guests and events, 
comments, you can check my guide page called My Main Guide Life, which is both on Facebook and Instagram. Also check out the other channels available at mainlymatters.com. Thank you so much for listening, Maine. Keep the faith and we'll keep celebrating the wonderful people found here.